0: Hello, everyone. I'm Paris Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox, hosted by Richard Lummis. What makes a great leader? Is it genetic or can you learn leadership skills? Join Tom Fox and Richard Lummis in this podcast, where they consider leadership from a wide variety of perspectives, academic, behavioral science, history, popular culture, the movies, and much more. You'll learn about specific tactics and strategies that you can bring to your own leadership toolkit. 12 O'Clock High is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.
1: Richard Lummis is on assignment this week, so I welcome Allison Van Hooser. Allison is a well-known leadership coach focusing on millennials and Gen Zers. She talks to us today about Goldman Sachs and how it treats employees and their response to that treatment. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode, and today I have with me Allison Van Hooser. And Allison and I have known each other for a few years. She is a coach around leadership, but really so much more. So, Allison, first of all, welcome, and thanks so much for taking the time to visit with me today.
0: Thank you so much, Tom. I'm so excited about our topic. Um, as Tom said, my name is Allison Van Hooser. I work with Hooser Associates. We're a leadership development company. So we cover all things leadership, from dealing with change to managing multiple generations, communication, empowerment, you name it. When it comes to leadership, if we can help you, we've developed the skills to help teach you how to improve your results.
1: So you probably just answered this, but why are you on a sold out mission to improve leadership?
0: Yeah, so I'll take it a step further. So when I think about leadership, it's so multifaceted. When I'm passionate about leadership because it affects all aspects of our lives, we lead ourselves every day, how we show up and how we take care of ourselves and the work that we do. We're leading ourselves, but also most people are out in the workplace and we're leading other people. And so I believe that everything in an organization can be made better or worse And it all starts with leadership. And so if leaders can develop the skills necessary to take the right actions and lead their people in the best way, then I believe that anything's possible.
1: You also help people like me uh, work with and lead people like you, i.e. millennials. And so uh, what I really wanted to visit with you about today is both of those topics, leadership and leading with and working with millennials, because I saw a story recently uh, thought encapsulated the difference in my generation, perhaps yours, as well as any story I've seen. And that was um, a PowerPoint presentation that got uh, made public by some Goldman Sachs employees, new employees, millennials, uh, about having to work 100 hour weeks on a routine basis. And I think we probably all had big projects with a lot of pressure. Uh, this is not that. This is just a regular routine week where they're expected to work uh 100 hours a week plus. I started out in a law firm where 70 or 80 hours was was expected, um, but that's still very different than 100 hours. So there were a couple of things that struck me from the leadership perspective and working with millennials that I really wanted to talk to you about. Uh, number one was just the courage that these millennials had to raise the situation. And once again, if I draw on my experience, it was well, that's just the way it is, and that's the way it's going to be, and uh, that's the way it always will be. So what is it about millennials that allows them to, to raise their hand and speak up and say, no, this is not right, uh, we, there's a different way to do something?
0: So one of the most influential factors in a person's lives, regardless of what generation you're in, is Parenting. And I always say parenting or lack thereof, because some people grow up in a situation where they're kind of on their own and some people, maybe they have both parents and it, or maybe they have one or the other. So parenting is so important when it comes to figuring out why people do what they do in the workforce growing up. So you think about these, these millennials, and I almost said kids, I'm a millennial. Why did these employees, employees at this level, why did they even feel like it was okay to stand up and say something? I think it starts back <clears throat> like at school age. Think about this. So older generations, they were parented in a time where the military influence was really heavy in families in general. So, uh, we saw that, that autocratic leadership that starts in the military, that is in the military, where you come in, you do exactly what you're supposed to do. There's a chain of command, you keep your head down, you do your work. That fed over into the family. A phrase that was thrown around a, long, or a lot whenever baby boomers were growing up was kids should be seen, not heard. You come in, you do what you're supposed to do, and you don't make a big fuss about anything. Well, as we see a lot of times, Uh, kids want to undo what their parents did or do the opposite. Whatever they didn't like about how they were parented, they want to do the opposite. So we had... Uh, boomers who grew up in a time where they were told, you know, the adults are talking in here. You go out or you go to school and you don't you don't make a fuss. You obey the rules and you get good grades and you graduate. Well, then they had kids, the millennials, all of us were raised, or many of us were raised by boomers who now said, okay, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Let us maybe involve our kids more in discussions. Let's ask them, hey, what, do, what sports do you want to play? Where do you want to go on vacation, what number or what do you want in your happy meal at McDonald's? All of those different things—they let us have a voice. When you think about how how school goes, think about—you know—many people listening to this, they might have had kids who were doing online school during the, over the past year with uh, with COVID. So you think about the people who are in those positions at Goldman Sachs, many of them may even be Gen Z if they're around 25 years and younger. So these Gen Z kids for the past 10 years have grown up in school where parents see every single grade they make and their teachers are talking back and forth. And that means parents and kids are constantly talking. So that line of communication is much more open between the boss, the boss, the parent and the employee, the kid. So when they show up in the workplace, it's only natural for us to be able to say, we got this going on, let's talk about it, mom and dad, or let's talk about it, boss. That's just, that's natural. So when I came into the workforce, I didn't have a mom or dad. But in school, there was no reason why we wouldn't bring anything we didn't like up to our teacher or find a better way to do something because technology taught us that there's always got to be a better way. And if there's not one right now, then we can create one. So bringing up those ideas was just a way of life and it was a different way of life than previous generations. So does, how does it, does what, what thoughts does that bring up in you as far as, you know, the different approach to saying, Hey, Hey managers, Hey leaders, Hey boss, let's look at things differently. Cause this isn't working.
1: So I grew up in that kind of household, uh, so a lot of those phrases you used were um, very familiar to me.
0: Oh, yeah?
1: Yeah, um, because my father fought in World War II.
0: Okay, there so, we go.
1: You know, he uh, he had that, uh, that kind of background and training, uh, and his dad was an immigrant who just said, I'm going to work as hard as I can to give my children an opportunity that I didn't have as an immigrant. So— um, The other thing that struck me was um, high pressure is really where, really in the workplace, can separate the wheat from the chaff. You can find out that people are highly motivated. You can find out the people who can work under pressure. You can find out the people that uh, uh, can really achieve and who can bring the skills to bear on a problem. So I don't want to kind of take away from that high pressure, or do I?
0: Well, I would say... Let's just think about this for a second. Let's peel back the layers. I agree that you know, in many industries, not just in the financial industry, and you're in you're in law, not in just these two industries, people in manufacturing, people are placed in these high-pressure situations. I think those high-pressure situations situation are really a test of emotional intelligence. Can I can I feel this pressure right now and still be able to operate at a high level, even with that? So I think a lot of that stems back from emotional intelligence and not just grit, not just the ability to just keep going, even though there's pressure. Some people would crumble. Some people wouldn't. I think that the, the answer to that boils down to mostly emotional intelligence. The other thing I would say is talking about these long hours, I think one of the biggest shifts that we've seen just in our culture, in society as a whole, and I think a lot of it started with social media, which started back whenever I was in, whenever I was in high school. Pe- there's been this movement, this this it's become sort of this blown up focus on mental health, on physical health, on personal development. It's absolutely changed workplaces and how they operate so I think these people in these high pressure situations who are working so many hours that they don't have enough time to get sleep to keep them at their best that they're more aware that okay something is wrong here it's not okay that I can't even take care of myself I think that um, you know social media has sort of just given a whole new awareness to that and I don't think I, I don't and this is a millennial perspective, I don't think that requiring someone to give that much of themselves to prove themselves is good from a leadership perspective. You're ultimately saying, I don't want you at your best. I just want you to have nothing left because if, the, if they were at their best you would make sure that they had time to take care of themselves. You would make sure that they could show up well-rested and give you the very best they have. But when you're asking somebody to do a hundred hours a week, no, you're just asking them to come with nothing left rather than their best.
1: How, I don't want to say discriminatory this is, but really how unfair it is. And I want to use, use an example to, to women who are young mothers. You were a mother, relatively young, mm-hmm. And to ask someone like you in any profession, legal, financial, banking, whatever it may have been, to, to work those kind of hours and still have a family, um, it just it, I don't think it could be done. But if it could, it would be incredibly unfair. Uh, would that be a fair assessment that it's really cutting out a large por- portion of the workforce right off the bat?
0: I absolutely agree with that. I, absolutely, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I would that makes me question leadership there. What do you want the best of the best or the people who are just going to give you those hours? Because yes, I have four kids. I'm 32 years old and I have four kids. I would consider myself a high performer, Um, not just my own assessment, but from the assessments I've had for my time in the corporate world. And so, Do you really want to count out the people who could do better work for you if you would just adjust your hours, if you would be forward thinking enough, bold enough to change things from the way they've always been in order to get something better? And I'll also say this, you know, I was reading all the articles about this and people were saying, you know, that these 13 people were thinking about leaving and all of that. So they're going to have retention issues likely. Um, because of all of this, but I think that they're also going to have recruiting issues. Because as a high performing millennial, I would say, you know, is that some is that a leader I want to work for, who isn't isn't interested in getting the best out of people, isn't bold enough to change the way things have been done? I, that's not something that I would say. That's not a leader that I would want to follow, or I would be inspired to follow.
1: Let me flip it to the millennial in the workforce. What do you say to them about? You're going to a very high-pressure job. You're going to be highly compensated. A lot is going to be expected of you. What do you What do you tell that millennial about uh, get, getting into one of these situations, uh, let alone raising your hand and saying, I have something to say?
0: So the first thing I would say to that millennial is you need to get crystal clear on what it is you want. Because if working all of these hours is not going to get you closer to what it is that's most important to you, then it's going to be wasted time. It's going to be harder to grind it out. The more, the more pressure that's piled on you. So I would say, I talk about this in my book. I have a process called lay down the law saying, this is what's most important. This is how I'm going to get it. And so if building a career in that industry And this is one of the proven ways to do it. If this is one of the proven ways to do it, is to do it this way, then, man, you need to go all in and give it all you've got. Now, if while you're doing that, you can develop, thoroughly develop an idea of a better way to do things and get better results, and that means you can change hours and all that, once you have answered all the questions that leadership is going to need answered, by all means, bring that idea to them. But don't just bring them a problem. You need to bring them a solution. And then I would finally, I would say this, if it's not, and when you look at everything that's really important to you, if that job doesn't fit in, don't go there. Don't waste that company's time. Have enough um, morals, ethics, integrity about yourself not to put somebody else on the line just so you can have a job for a little bit while you find something else.
1: The other thing that struck me was uh, this uh, event information came out, I think, in March of twenty. 20- We're recording this in April of 2021. And when I had to go through those types of uh, high-pressure, long-hour situations, you know, I was one of a class of 25. And we could get together, we could commiserate, we had each other for emotional support, alcohol support, whatever it may have been. But (laughs) we weren't working from home and we weren't alone. And we knew who our bosses were. We interacted with them every day. And I was wondering if really the, the last year has really acerbated these problems because uh, many of these people have never actually met their bosses. They've certainly been on Zoom calls or other virtual communications, but they may be living in an apartment alone, and they may get up at the crack of dawn, work till midnight, lay down on the sofa and get up and do it again. Do you think that that could be contributing to this as well?
0: I think absolutely. Um, imagine the isolation for someone who maybe hasn't built a family or any of that yet and is all alone. That, I mean, there's no doubt that that affects your mental health and that that can make all of that worse. I think COVID has really shed a light on the the impact of mental health on work. And I think that that's only going to continue to grow. And we already see organizations making huge strides in making sure that they're taking care of their employees. Um, emotional, physical, mental health, it's important. It should be important to the organization because that's how you get the most out of your your biggest resource, your people.
1: Allison, as you know, uh, many of my listeners are uh, compliance professionals and other business executives. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we talk about in the compliance realm is the need for a speak up culture, the need for whistleblowers, the need to have a psychologically safe place where people can raise their hand and, and raise an issue. And it struck me that um, not only this Goldman Sachs issue, but what you've said is perhaps another way of talking about not just a whistleblower culture, but really a speak-up culture and how powerful that can be in helping an organization manage its own people and perhaps make course adjustments. Would that be a fair assessment?
0: Yes, I totally agree with what you've said, and I think how leadership is handling this from their employees is really going to affect their speak-up culture. If they take this and actually do something positive, I've seen little comments of what they said they're going to do. They're going to reevaluate, but if they actually take action, if they listen and take appropriate action, that can radically change the culture there you know we teach a process in a lot of the leadership development work we do we teach a process for people to speak up to speak to leaders and we get there we get leadership's buy-in before teaching this process so it's like leaders saying please come to us and we're going to show you the best way to do it um you know the, the best teacher is having experiences, or experience is the best teacher. You've probably heard that said a million times. But having an, an experience where you speak up and it's successful, that can do so much for an organization's culture.
1: Uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about Van Hooser and Associates, the type of work you do. You mentioned uh, the training that you put on, but you also do keynote speeches and you engage in social media. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Sure. So yes, I, I, our business is twofold. We do keynote speaking and really in-depth leadership development training with leaders, leaders from C-suite to emerging leaders. The keynote speaking is definitely much more of an inspirational, uh, inspirational message for audiences from sales audiences to entrepreneur audiences and so on. Leadership all of that, and then our leadership training. That's my favorite part of what we do because that's where we get to be one-on-one with people and really help them turn around their leadership career, help them connect with the people around them and be able to make a difference in their organization.
1: Allison, uh, if anyone wanted to contact you or find out any more information on Van Hooser Associates or any of the information we've talked about in this podcast, how could they do so?
0: Absolutely. If you want to check get more information, check out vanhooser.com.
1: And what about on uh, LinkedIn, or do you have a podcast?
0: I do have a podcast, Stake the Leadership Podcast. We cover short snippets of leadership content twice a month. Uh, you can get that wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on LinkedIn. You can look me up, Allison Van Hooser, on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook anytime.
1: Well, Allison, thanks so much for taking the, vi- taking the time to visit with me. When I read that story, I immediately thought of, of you, uh, both le- leader, <coughs> leadership, but also training millennials on their role in this entire process. So uh, thanks so much for taking the time to visit with me. Thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you enjoyed this episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership. Also, check out the uh, article that the podcast is uh, uh, based upon in the show notes. Please join us again for our next episode where uh, Richard Lummis and I will take another look at leadership. 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.